Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. To get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make it better. Do you really think we can? Always, always trying to make it better. That's that's what we're here for. That's what we are Christians in the marketplace for. That's uh, what the catch is here for, uh, to help us make it better. Not And, you know, not just our lives better. Uh, We've got to watch that because a, a, lot of, a lot of Christianity and Christian books seem to be geared towards just making us better. And that's, that's kind of... You know, that's part of our culture, I think, that is seeped into our faith. But uh, the Lord wants us to be uh, making other people better. That's really what this is all about, because he wants to be us to be servants of his that reach out to others in, in need. And, may, and Jesus made life better for other people, not himself, that's for sure. I mean, he... <laughs> He didn't have a great life. If you really want to talk, you know, someday we'll maybe talk to Jesus about his life. But I, I don't think it was that great on earth as I read about it. And it sure didn't have a very good ending. But uh, but the whole point of it was to make it better for other people. And uh, so if that's what Jesus wants, that's what we want. And uh, so that, that's what makes life kind of exciting here. And, and uh Today, uh, we have a special guest who um, we've had once before, So, but it's been a long time, so we're really excited to have him back again, uh, and uh, we, we are uh, always, always excited to have John because John not only is, uh, you know, a former publisher of CCM Magazine, which kind of got me started. Um, as a writer, for sure, and I owe a lot of uh, my the beginnings of my career to John and his support of me as a writer, but also as president and CEO of the Gospel Music Association for six years. Um, uh, John has a perspective on uh, on Christian music and the arts that is very very unique and very important. So, uh, John. Welcome back to Blog Talk Radio. John, it's so great to be here and to talk to you. <laughs> thank you for having well, me. Thank you. You bet. And it's always great to hear your voice. Um, you know, I, you, were, uh, you were, as we mentioned, CEO of the Gospel Music Association for, for six years before stepping down in, I think it was 2009, um, GMA. Yes. Been Financially, financially challenged uh, since then. I think um, so many changes in the music industry. Uh, you know, I, I, I just in a in a few sentences, can you maybe track some of that? 
some of those changes that have happened and and bring us a little bit to present where we are now and and is GMA still uh, alive? I I assume it is. Um, <laughs> what's going on these days? <laughs> um, well, yes, it is still alive. Uh, from what I understand, it is not maybe what it used to be, but none of the the Christian music uh, business is what it used mm-hmm. to be. Um, the music business in general is not what it used to be. Right. The the, the right. Christian slash gospel music business has always been sort of a microcosm of the mainstream music business. Uh, and whatever happens in mainstream music happens sometime later or even at the same time in Christian music. Um, but Christian music is just a much smaller scale version. You know, it's like 5% mm-hmm. of the music business. And it may be less than that now, but it's uh, but the music business overall as a business is half of what it used to be, um, wow. and that's just the that's just economics. Um, and I think in Christian music, the the economics have influenced some of the sort of philosophical direction of it in some ways. Uh, but mm-hmm. culture has changed and shifted. People's relationship to music has changed and shifted, and that's that's impacted Christian music as well. And so, um, it's it's kind of a shadow of its former self. The day of mm. the sort of celebrity singer songwriter you know, probably had its heyday in the eighties with the Amy Grants and Michael W. Smiths and Stephen mm-hmm. Stephen Curtis Chapman's. I think that era is effectively over. Um mm. what you have wow. now is mostly um uh, praise and worship focused music and some commercial right. iterations of that and sort of you know, you kinda of have the celebrity worship artist which is Kind of an oxymoron, but it's it's what you what you have today out there, and uh, and that's sort of what yeah. Christian radio has become. Um, whereas in the early days, when when uh, you were putting out your first music, and I was first involved back in the seventies, it you know it it began as a very prophetic kind of a movement, and it's just right. uh, it's changed and evolved in. Uh, in four yeah. years or so, and um, to to something different. Well, that's not bad. It's just different. Yeah. What how, What do you think that's happened? Is that is that largely because worship music has become such a big deal in the churches now, and so the Christian music thing just kind of follows along? Well, you know. If you if you trace the history back to the 60s, you had um, a cultural revolution occurring in popular music, the Beatles, um, yeah. and and kind of you know the whole just the cultural revolution that was the 60s, the war in Vietnam, protest music. Um, mm-hmm. I I uh I I shared on Facebook the other day a song from the 60s called For What It's Worth by Buffalo Springfield. If you listen to yeah, that song today, 
it was very relevant when it was put out in 1967, talking about, yep. you know, there's something happening here, what it is ain't exactly clear. It's as relevant to circumstances today and the events of the last few weeks as it was 50 years ago when it came out. Uh, my point being, there was prophetic music being produced in popular culture back then. Then right. the Jesus movement happened kind of in response to that. You know, the Holy Spirit used the fervency of young people and the uncertainty and upheaval of the times to bring people to him. And so you had hippies coming to Christ. And hippies made music that they knew how to make, which was not church music, because church music at that time was defined by tradition and mm. choirs and organs and what happened in church. And so right. this new stuff that came out, uh, as you personally know, uh, was quite uh, revolutionary for the times on one hand and maybe a novelty on the other hand. It was kind of like, wow, we can have faith and have music we like. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you don't suddenly have to don a choir robe if you have long hair and, you know, came out, came out of that world. And so artists began, I think, writing songs that were, had that prophetic edge, had an evangelistic intent, uh, many of them. And there was a lot of, you know, if you think about the earliest praise and worship music, it also came out of uh, the Jesus movement in the early 70s. Uh, the first Calvary Chapel praise choruses. Those came out of Southern California, yeah. Calvary Chapel. Uh, they're still sung yeah. today, and a lot of what we have today is derivative of that. So, you know, so then you had the idea that people could do popular Christian music or, you know, contemporary music, and it was not accepted inside the church. That was, you know, there were a lot of voices mm -hmm. railing against the whole idea of having drums and guitars in the sanctuary. I mean, that was just a huge controversy for the longest time. And those of us who were involved in it were like, I wonder when the church is ever going to you know, accept this. Well, now they've accepted it wholesale. So style yeah. is no longer an issue. That, right. that went away. But I think, appropriately, the, the, the lyrical content changed to become more focused for leading people in worship. Um, and less away from the prophetic. So you had this kind mm -hmm. of transition that took place in the late 70s and early 80s uh, where yeah. it, you had this popular Christian music thing. And, and, uh, I, and, and it was a new novelty thing, and people really loved it. I think people, you know, grew out of it a little bit. And, um, uh, and, and, the radio became more about, uh, you know, praise and worship on the radio because they were starting to play what people were singing in church. You've got right. singer-songwriters like Chris Tomlin, who, by virtue of how many, how many times their songs are performed in churches on Sundays, probably the most performed singer-songwriter in the world. I don't know if he oh. is now, but it, there was a time that was true. More than, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. anybody, mainstream or whatever. Um, but 
in a very underground sense. I feel like I'm rambling all over the place here, but it's kind of a sort of a big sweep overview. You had this thing that started out of the Jesus movement, became a popular culture phenomenon for a while, and then morphed into something that is not as big commercially and yet more aligned with the church than it was. It right. wasn't accepted in the church at first. Now it's totally accepted. But the church wants music that's, you know, leads people in worship. They're not so much into, you know, yeah. pop, you know, Christian, you know, Jesus is my girlfriend sort of music. Uh, music right. that's ambiguous or music that, you know, lyrically <clears throat> could... Uh, you know, sneak onto pop radio because that's what people were trying to do for a long time is make a, from a Christian perspective and a Christian worldview, music that was good enough to make it on pop radio. But that resulted yeah. in some, yeah. you know, maybe music that was uh, ambiguous lyrically. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, what I'm missing, John, is is at least some of that prophetic music that you talked about. Um because uh, and I, it does make sense if the if the church if, if worship music has become really important in church and we want to hear it on the radio want to feel feel good on the radio I mean I read a New York Times article recently and uh, it was written by a actually a Christian music DJ and um, I thought that was unusual that it that it was in the New York Times so I mean yeah the New York Times the New York Times is basically saying you know, recognizing that this is a, a, a phenomenon, uh, a cultural phenomenon that, that we need to address. And so this guy expressed himself, and um, it, he, it was an interesting article. He was basically saying that, well, he was saying that Christian music and Christian radio is really doing quite well right now, I guess. And, um, and people want to hear it. And the reason they want to hear it is they want to hear, they want to feel good. They, they want uplifting music. And, um, you know, when you look at what's happening in the world right now, I, I can understand that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so I want to, I want to listen to something that's uplifting, that's going to, you know, make me feel good. Um, and I, I, you know, I want to say, yeah, okay. That, that's a, there's a place for that, but you know, I don't think Jesus was going around necessarily making people feel good. You know, I mean that wasn't his goal, and um, I, I I missed the message. I mean, you know, I you know, <laughs> Larry Norman singing gonorrhea on Valentine's Day, and you're still looking for the perfect lay. You know, <laughs> you can't do that on Christian radio. Not now. <laughs> you can't do that, and you can't do it in church either. So that, no, you can't. That's because, you know, that's because. Of course, you I never really could ever, was, but. Well, you you could. But people bought those we records. Had, we had the world's ear. We had the world's ear there in the very yep. beginning. I do think we did, and I well, think that's I, I think why you could get away with it. To to a a very large degree, Christian music has served um, as an antidote to the world's problems. I mean, you know, you look around and Mm. the world is so bad. You want something to make you feel better. I completely, 100% get that. 
can you live mm-hmm. there all the time? Not necessarily. Then I think then then Christian music becomes escapism. So I think there's a place yeah. for music that's coming from a Christian worldview to address lots of aspects of life. So then you get into issues of, you know, commercial viability. Frankly, music that's really out there on the edge, on the fringe, prophetic mm-hmm. and hard and profound, if you will, uh, and all that doesn't really sell very well. And honestly, generally, everything I say is a generalization here, generally has mm-hmm. not been a viable economic proposition. And so, yeah. uh, but still people people make it. Uh, true artists, I think, are driven by, they have to say what they have to say, whether it sells or yeah. not. And today, we, there's there's lots of that out there. You just don't hear about it because it's, it's not that commercially viable, and we're, we, our culture has evolved into a song-based culture, uh, mainstream music and Christian music. It's, it used to be, uh, you know, an artist's uh, an album would reflect the state album? of mind of an artist at that point in their life. A Bob Dylan album would come out, and you know what Bob Dylan's been thinking about for the last year or two. Um, mm-hmm. And albums were a, a cohesive work. Sgt. Pepper's, uh, Pet yeah. Sounds, um, you know, yeah. Dark Side of the Moon, all these different albums, and and Shotgun Angel in, in the Christian world, where by Daniel Amos, mm-hmm. that were you know a cohesive works of songs put together. But now in an iTunes era, when iTunes, when the record labels agreed to let iTunes unbundle albums. It, we became a earbud, iPod-based, uh, single-song-at-a-time culture, which hmm. led people to listen to just the most commercial, the most popular, and yet anything's available. There's, you know, iTunes and Spotify mm-hmm. have, what, 34 million songs available? So everything. <laughs> but of those 34 million or whatever it is, I think, I don't know what the exact number is, but somewhere around 25 million have never been played once. <laughs> you know, wow. Uh, wow. it's there, but it's not being listened to by people because they just want the, you know, latest, greatest, most popular thing. And it's so hard for any music today to gain traction because it's it's fragmented. You know, the days of wow. 70 million people watching the Beatles on Ed Sullivan and everybody hearing the same music at the same time pretty much over mm-hmm. doesn't happen very often right. it's all it's so super segmented and individualized and i think that has had an impact on on christian music as well that being said the sunday morning church experience is probably the most unifying in uh, t- mass consumption time of certain songs that exists in the world today because christians the world over know these same songs in, wow. in, in yeah. various languages, which is a real whole a whole another uh, phenomenon, and that ha- that's that's something that happens within the church. Um, but economically, I mean, church and worship is exempt from a lot of the royalty um, bearing uh, mm-hmm. rules that exist in the world, and so it's not economically nearly as viable as sort of something that happens in the mainstream media world um 
But so anyway, yeah. that's all fine. Economics plays into this. Culture plays into this. But it's resulted in a real shift to where I think, you know, praise and worship music or worship focused music is the dominant thing in Christian music today. Uh, you were telling me earlier about a um, an interview uh, with with Bono and uh, yes. Eugene Peterson. Yes. Um, actually, I had I have not heard that. And um, in essence, though, can you give us a little feeling of what what was Bono saying? Well, there? They, you know, they uh, Eugene Peterson is the guy who wrote the message his his version of the Bible. Right. And uh, I guess Bono is a big fan of the message, and somebody arranged for the two of them to meet up at Eugene's house in Montana or wherever it is. And so they had a conversation about the Psalms. And, of course, a lot of the Psalms are basically huh. lyrics, and uh, and they were talking about how profound many of those uh, lyrics are, those words, and how gut-wrenching they can be and how how difficult they can be, and Bono was lamenting the fact that, you know, a lot of Christian music today just doesn't have that kind of depth, doesn't have that right. prophetic edge, or words to that effect. And I agree with that completely as a generalization, because you can find notable exceptions to all of to that comment. And I, I believe it was Bono who used the term talking about happy, clappy Christian music. <laughs> you know, and 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 he has yeah. gone out of his way, even though he himself is a devout believer. He's gone out of his way to avoid being identified, sort of with with Christian music, you know, or having you two identify as a Christian band. But you know, he softened up a little bit over time because when um, when the AIDS thing mm-hmm. came along, a lot of Christian artists with the One campaign they really stepped up. I actually had the opportunity to meet him one time, and, and he said, you know, I, I've, I've had to change my mind about a lot of Christian artists, guys like Michael W. Smith, and these guys, they've really stepped up. So I have to stop giving it out to the church as much as I have in the past, and to Christian music in general, because they 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 stepped up when the time mm-hmm. came. So that was kind of nice to hear. Yeah, good, good. Well... But, but he does have a point about the prophetic, and I I like to ask you about that because I, you know what 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 would you tell a a, a, a an artist or maybe a group because lots of times an artist is not just single but but uh, maybe a really hot group and they've got a great sound but they're and they're Christians but they don't want to sing worship music they want to sing message music they. They want to talk to people. They have they have a prophetic word they want to deliver uh, to to everybody. Where what would you tell them? Where do they go? Well, I, I would say the same thing to to them that I would to any artist, and that is, um, and and I, and I hate that it seems like this much of a conundrum, but you have to decide what it is you want to be. Do you want to be an artist or do you want to make money? Because they're the two sometimes go together, but in the mass, vast majority of cases, uh, if you really just want to make art, uh, you may not be able to make money from that art. 
And if you can't make money from your art, then, you know, how could you do that full time? Because we, you know, artists have expenses like everybody else. And it's very hard to make it as an artist. And therefore, the temptation is very, very high to kind of pander to public tastes and marketplace mm-hmm. tastes and make, you know, I, I, I to me, an artist uh, or a musician who looks around and does research and focus groups to see what people want and then does that, that's not a true artist. That's someone who's making product mm. for the marketplace. Yeah. An artist yeah. does what they do, and if people like it, fantastic. Bonus, serendipity. But in a lot of cases, you know, that, that may not connect with the public. In general, that which is really good, I mean truly good from a sort of a critical – technical perspective doesn't end up being really popular from a commercial success standpoint. Um, There are, again, notable exceptions, but there's an awful lot of super popular stuff out there that really isn't very good. (laughs) And yeah, and I'm, and I'm being snooty about that, but, um, and that's been in, that's the, that's the case in popular culture. I mean, otherwise, why would why wouldn't PBS shows be on NBC at night? Because they put stupid sitcoms yeah. on. Because that's what people want to watch. Because people want to, you know, they, they don't want to engage their brains heavily necessarily watching TV at night. There are people who do, and there are shows for them. There is a PBS, but yeah, it, it runs on a completely different economic model than network TV, which is all about getting as many eyeballs as you can so that you can sell advertising to those eyeballs. And the more eyeballs, the more money, yada, yada, yada. Mm. Same is true in the wow. in Christian music. You know, the more people, the more money. Well, generally, the more people, the more popular. That means lowest common denominator, which is typically not the highest form of mm-hmm. expression. So mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. that's really quirky or really edgy or makes people uncomfortable, it's just not going to have the the reach. Uh, but it's, yeah. thankfully, we have people doing all of those things. We have people making music that just makes you feel good. It's ear candy. I have no problem with ear candy. I love ear candy. Um, <laughs> but I also love shows that, uh, and, I, and I love music uh, from time to time that makes me uncomfortable. So, and there's shows. I I love the show Breaking Bad. Everything about Breaking Bad, message-wise, I kind of disagreed with. I mean, it's a, it was, you know, look at the subject matter of that show. But that show was so well done. It was storytelling done at such a high level. It was filmmaking mm-hmm. at such a high level. It made mm-hmm. me better mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways as as a person who is involved in media and interested in this kind of stuff and and it challenged me on a whole lot of levels but it wasn't comfortable it wasn't easy um but but in that sense i think it was good um i disagree with the world view on most of it and all that kind of stuff but i'm smart enough to know what i disagree with and not be you know Mm -hmm. watching that show didn't make me want to go out and, and brew up some crystal meth uh, you could clearly right. see the devastating effects of that culture. And right. so they spoke truth to that. Anyway, I thought that was good. And so there's music that does that. 
I don't want to listen to that music all the time, but I like it some of the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, think about. Um, I think I think you too is an interesting example in themselves, um, in the fact that they they have been uh, probably one of the most popular bands in the last twenty years, and um, and, and yet most of them are Christians. Three of them are. Yeah. And. There is a lot of Christian message embedded uh, in their lyrics. And, um, you know, so in a sense, they've gotten away with it, haven't they? I mean, they would you say they're prophetic in some ways? Absolutely. But I would say they are not agenda-driven. Um, okay. You know, I don't think that they try to be clever and work in Christian thought no. into their music. You know, like oh, okay, oh, like maybe we can get maybe we get away with the Jesus here, or we can do this there, and and maybe that'll you know. I think they do what they do. They they are true to who they are as artists, and I think they're one of those cases where they are prophetic, they're artistically great, and they're also very popular. I mean, they're mm-hmm. I mean, of course, they're they. I think their heyday may be past, but they were. Um, they're huge with a certain culture. Now we're relaying our, we're, we're revealing our whiteness a little bit here because I remember when iTunes yeah. gave away their album for free to everybody on iTunes, uh-huh. there were a lot of people yeah. going, why is this in my iTunes library? I've never even heard of these guys. And those are people who will mostly have Jay-Z and Snoop Dogg uh-huh. and stuff like that in yeah. that they listen to. <laughs> and right. they didn't know, right. they didn't even, they've never even heard of you two. So it's like if if right. uh, uh, if um, iTunes had put the latest Kanye West album in my iTunes, I'd be going, well, what's that about? Um, <laughs> but anyway, I'm getting a, I'm tangent yeah. I'm going tangential yeah. again. But you are I think you are right within a certain cultural milieu. U2 has been that prophetic voice in the mm-hmm. rock and roll world, yeah. uh, largely so white rock possible. and roll world. It is absolutely possible to do, but it's also possible to win the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody does, uh, yeah. but most people don't. Yeah. So yeah. U2 right. did, but that's, most that's fans true. don't. There's, you know, 10 million bands, and I don't think that's an exaggeration, on Facebook trying to trying to get someone's attention and using Snapchat yeah. and all the social media channels that are just to yeah. try to get a little yeah. attention. And it's, it's, it's harder than ever to get attention, and you, it's more work than ever, and you do it song by song and performance by performance, and it's just, yeah. you know, the, the reality of yeah. trying to be an artist in today's culture – it's so much more difficult. Um, wow. But yeah. the church, and even even within church culture, to, you know, people work really hard to try to get their songs noticed inside the church. It's really difficult. And, uh, you know, then you spend your whole life doing promotion and marketing and all that kind of stuff and not so much profitizing. Hmm. Word. Wow. So it sounds like a lot of people are out of a job. <laughs> oh, there's no question about it. 
I mean, the 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 music industry. So people who are uh, making their living uh, in music uh, has shrunk uh, dramatically. Mm-hmm. Songwriters, in particular, are having a really tough go of it. The economic reality yeah. of of songwriting, and this applies equally to Christian songwriting as it does to mainstream, keeping in mind that in the Christian world, everything is disadvantaged. The Christian mm-hmm. music world, uh, as as uh, profitable as many people think it might be for folks, has always been kind of a nonprofit uh, reality. It's been, uh, you cannot charge for tickets what a mainstream artist charges. But the gas for your vehicle to get to the show costs just as much. The lights and the sound and the production cost as much if you want to do it at that level. But you can't get the ticket prices, so it's it's much harder to make money. A lot of the venues that play your music don't pay for it what they do in mainstream markets. A good example is Christian radio. Um, a lot of Christian radio today, especially today, lives on the non-commercial band. It's on, you know, uh, frequencies on FM below 92 are uh, by by definition non-commercial. And a lot of a lot of stations, the K-loves of the world that are very popular now, they're mm-hmm. non-commercial networks, non-profit networks. They pay about 20% as much as a regular commercial station to play the same music. Hmm. So if you're a songwriter, or well, artists don't get paid for radio play anyway in the U.S. That's a different issue. But songwriters get paid maybe one-fifth as much as they would if they had a country hit or a pop hit, and it got played on mm-hmm. commercial radio. So they've always been economically disadvantaged. The uh, Nashville Songwriters Association International here, which is kind of a trade association for songwriters, estimates that we have um, – lost almost 70%, 70% or so of our professional songwriters who just had to go work at Home Depot or do something else because they can't make it as a songwriter anymore due to current industry yeah. economics. So if it's bad yeah. in the general market, it's way worse in the Christian market. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's just – guess... economics, unfortunately, plays a part in all of this. Oh, yeah, it's huge. But I guess what we can do, uh, you know, the, the the one good side of that is that anybody can record just about, and anybody can record something that sounds fairly good. Yep, I've noticed that. And um, that with if they got a computer and they got a good set of Pro Tools, you know, they can they can cut a really good take and on a song, and so. On the other hand, then all these people are getting to do music, and um, the, I guess the good side of that is, of course, they're all going to have to have a day job, but um, <laughs> but they get to express themselves. And then maybe those of us who might not be uh, musically inclined, we can we can find them, we can appreciate them. You know, the the day of the house concert maybe is coming back, and and you know you find the group find the group that you like and support those guys and um there's still you can still do that can't you 
You absolutely can. The the relationship between artists and fans has grown much much closer through this. Uh, you know, in the in the early days when it was a mass medium, it, the holy grail was to get a record deal with a major label. And right. and if you did, that was good because a major label would make a large investment in you. And if they got any traction at all, they would invest even more, and you would become well known. You get played on the radio. People knew your music. They knew who you were. Uh, and then you could go independent and say you don't need labels. But that's another discussion. <laughs> I love yeah. when artists do that. Well, I don't need a record label. Well, you wouldn't be able to say that unless a record label had invested millions of dollars in you and gotten you, turned you into someone whose yeah. name people know. But you are absolutely <laughs> right. The barrier to entry is very, very low now. You don't have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in a recording studio to make a record. You can yeah. make it at home with yeah. Pro Tools, and for 999 out of 1,000 people, they wouldn't be able to tell the difference from a sonic standpoint. Mm-hmm. So now you have thousands and millions, really, of new songs coming out every year. Makes it harder yeah. and harder for consumers to know how to find stuff. Mm-hmm. So the, today, the big thing is getting on playlists. You know, there's whole promotion things now designed to get your songs on Spotify playlists. So if you're searching for cool dance music and you get your song on that cool mm-hmm. dance music thing, somebody might discover you. Music discovery is is a huge new thing, and it's harder and harder. To, it, 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 there's so much out there. Um, Yes, if you want to be an artist and you want to express yourself artistically, you can do that today. There is nothing holding you back and no reason you can say, I'm being stifled as an artist. I can't make the music I want. Now, whether anybody's going to hear it, it's a completely separate issue. Different side of the fence. Well, yeah. Well, gosh, this has been fun. Um, we We are out of time. But uh, I think I, I want to just bring this kind of to a close by, by saying support your local artists. <laughs> I feel like that's what I want to say, you know, um, more than ever, you know, especially if there's kids in church, in church and they, they've got an idea and they're doing some, some, you know, edgy music and they want to reach their friends for Christ. Wow. You know, I, I would get behind that. Whatever you feel God is calling you to do, the good news is you can do it. You can absolutely do it. it. But your expectations (laughs) need to be changed from what they used to be. You may Mm -hmm. not be a star. You know, but and I think a lot of people are are good with that, and and that's Mm -hmm. fine. And so Mm -hmm. there is something for everybody out there. And we, I think it's inappropriate for us to sort of poo-poo the stuff that's popular because it's popular because it's always been that way. Uh, yeah, popular stuff is not necessarily yeah. good stuff, like we discussed earlier. But you can, you you are in a more of an equal footing now with the big players as an artist than you have ever been in the history of popular culture. And that yeah, is good news right. for people who have something they want to oh. say to the world. That's great. Well, John, this has been fun. Thank you so much. Great to have you back. And um, uh, I hope I hope uh, someone's been encouraged out there to 
to do it, and and then someone's been encouraged to help support it. I hope so, so too. Uh, yeah, that's great. John, thank you. God bless. Thanks a lot, keep, John. You take care. Keep it doing. Okay, I will. Thank you. All right. There you Talk go, folks. You and and uh, you know, encourage encourage it where you can see uh, a new expression and. Well, if there's any any people listening that want to do their music, uh, get out there and get going. You know, that's it, it's a great time for that, and um, and we need to hear the message. We need more messages. I, I'm all for worship, but you know, we've got things to say too, and the world is hungry to hear the truth. So go for it.